your San Jose Sharks take down their desert dog rivals in their debut at Mullet Arena. We'll break down the victory. Is it a good thing or is it a bad thing? Are you on Team Tank or on Team at least get try to get to the playoffs and make it look respectable? And we'll keep an eye on the Barracuda for you right now. This is Teal Town After Dark. Good evening, everyone. It is Tuesday night, January 10th, 2023. The San Jose Sharks are victorious as they defeat the Arizona Coyotes 4-2 in Tempe. We welcome you to this edition of Teal Town After Dark. This is your live interactive Sharks postgame. We do this after every game. So if you want to be part of the show, chat with us and fellow Sharks fans all over the world and in Sharks territory on the YouTube page or on the app. Of course, follow us on the social Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, SoundCloud, Reddit, Discord, TikTok, and find everything at tealtownusa.com. Of course, if you want to support the pod, you can always hit us up on Venmo at tealtownusa or on a YouTube Super Chat. And it is a triple cast tonight, gang. Let's say hello first to Felix Chow. Who's muted? <laughs> <laughs> what up? Sorry. Once again, I need to... Uh... Make sure I am unmuted, but seriously, what is up, y'all? Uh, Sharks' victory is what's up. Of course, the guy in San Diego who spells his name the right way, Eric Landy. Ah, just when we thought we would get a better draft, they go and they ending a season series. Hold tiebreakers now. That's got me. <laughs> All right. So... This should be an interesting one. Of course, when the guys talk, they decide to disappear when the other one's not talking. So bear with us through this. We'll get through it. Interesting one. Amazing how that that works out. All right. Get going in here. We get the debut of Mikey Isimont. Uh, Sveshnikov sits this one. You know, Vlasic goes to his non-traditional point in uh, on the right side. Uh, interesting. But we get going, and then, you know what? First five minutes, it's usually been the Sharks that give up the first goal, but Felix LeBanc makes it one nothing, kind of working through like three or four uh, Desert Dogs there. Yeah, you know, I think he, uh, I mean, he basically went to the net and got one up top, and, you know, good things happen when you go to the net, so. That made it one nothing. unfortunately, Less than two minutes later, Heaton would get his fourth in a year for the Coyotes. Landy, um, you know, uh, uh, that one was a tough one, too, along with the one that made it 2-1 when Fisher basically had a breakaway and kind of split the defense a little bit. Yeah, you know, on this one, I wasn't really happy with um, the Sharks' defensive positioning. Kind of felt like they um they gave the point up a little bit too easily um and then they weren't able to really confront um the man that had the puck you could also say maybe Kakanen's being a little 
you know, a, caught a little off uh, guard there. You know, he's trying to move laterally left to right. So he's um, got a challenge, you know, an uphill challenge trying to make that lateral move. But as you saw, you know, he was so far out that he wasn't able to really get good, uh, you know, a good grip on the ice to, to make a good push over. So, yeah, there, there, were, there were some things that I think he needs to kind of clean up still. Um, again, it's it's a goaltender who every night, you know, that he gets to start, I'm I'm just kind of having a microscope out for for this guy and, and trying to see analyze things like body language, trying to analyze things like, um, you know, where exactly his positioning is, if he if he hunches his shoulders or if he keeps his um, shoulders up, um, the way in which he fronts pucks. So with him, you know, it's an inconsistent season, and to thought. A little shaky at the beginning, but I think kind of settled in um, and, and was able to um, right the ship a little bit more. But I, not really his best first period of the year. No, uh, like you said, a little shaky. You saw some 36 versus 36 action there. Fisher with the gold, make it a 2 1. That's how it would end after the first period. Uh, Felix, let me ask you on, on the debut of uh, Mikey Isimont, uh tries to. Gets a couple of scoring chances. Later on, gets a breakaway in this game. Uh, gets into a fight, which, you know. Uh, but uh, what did you think of the, the new guy wearing 21? I've noticed him tonight. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, But, like, he's been all over on the net. He's gotten to chances. He even, I believe he had even had a breakaway chance later on in the game. And, like, it's, you know, I've, I've liked what I've seen in him, honestly. Yeah, I I also wanted to echo that too. Felix um, felt that, you know, really, Isimont had a nice, had a a really good um, energy about him. I felt podcast pointed him out multiple times in that first, period, and it looked like a guy who wanted to have a good first one with uh, with his new. Um, so for me, I thought Isimont was definitely. Uh, more of a plus than I originally had thought he could be. Yep. Uh, moving on into the second period, uh, you know, I thought after the Sharks had a really strong first, Arizona kind of took it over with their pair of goals, but they get it back. Uh, you know, Nico Sturm with <laughs> with a nice move. Uh, you know, he get almost looked like a blind pass from Benino. Uh, to to tie this one up at two two, uh, Nico Sturm getting his tenth of the season. Uh, definitely a, a nice look there from uh, from Sturm, Felix, and especially overall in the second period, I thought they stayed with them. Um, you know, uh, you know, it definitely looked like a, a promising. Uh, the second period uh, in a period that I thought they they really dominated. Yeah, they definitely got their good looks, and uh, you know I thought they I, I agree with you. I thought they played well in the second period, and you know they got their chances, but you know they just didn't quite get one on the board yet. So no, and and I like the I, I like the, the it seemed like more of the depth guys were playing tonight. Meaning, I, I felt that the lower lines, um, you know, Nico Sturm and Benino, um, 
I thought that they played a really good game tonight. And for the first time, I'm actually a, a third line well against another team's line. Now, it is the Arizona Coyotes, right? And the the broadcast made it a point say an evenly matched teams. Um, so, Sad but you know, true. They're, and they're not wrong. <laughs> um, but, it, it, you know, it was nice to see a line that could play some confident minutes versus, you know, a line always being caved in upon itself. But it, it's interesting to see what what David Quinn did, and I'm curious about the quotes that eventually come out of the locker room. Um, but Kevin LeBanc had a goal. He got the 10th of the year. Uh, then he took a bad penalty in the first and then sat half the second period. Um Landy, I'll start with you while I, I go grab my phone really quick because I don't have it with me. But uh, what do you think was going on there? Was there a message being sent? Uh, why is he getting, I guess we can start calling it the Merkley treatment. Can you can you repeat that? No, I was just saying, you know, Kevin LeBanc has a goal. Oh, LeBanc. Assist, uh, you know, then he takes a bad penalty. Doesn't play half of the second period. Um, I wonder, yeah, no. wonder what the message is sent. Yeah, I think, I think that you're absolutely right there with the message sending. Um, Quinn show uh, key moments of accountability and and try to really instill that it's a it's a meritocracy um, where you've got to uh, earn your your playing time. You have to. Um, be accountable when you make mistakes. Um, I thought that, that Kevin LeBanc, um, despite scoring that goal, um, took a little bit of, you know, took a took a little bit of a selfish penalty, and and I think that that definitely um, went to why he was benched um, for the the half of a period, and you know, I, is it is it? I I don't think it's too out of the realm of of uh you know of a of a move there for Quinn to make to to send a not so subtle message that hey you know these these kind of penalties taking these penalties takes away from your overall game from what you be doing and what you should be doing on the eye which is possessing the puck you know if you've got the puck in the Situation, you're not going to be taking a player. and again maybe some more buy-in on the defensive end for for LeBanc um, liked his offensive um this year felt that he's really embraced taking better shots uh better shots so like I think really embraced the idea that he needs to be a more of a sniper's line than being a facilitator um especially playing with a guy like Hurdle who's you know kind of a facilitator for first kind of kind of player um for, for me at least it's a it's a good little shot uh, uh, uh among the bad ever you know it's a shot across the selfish penalties get you rewards again i completely agree and like you earn your ice time right so like do you want to i like you said, it's a it's a meritocracy. So like you gotta, even though 
LeBanc did have that goal, you know, it's sort of like a reminder, like, hey, you can't just sit back just because you scored a goal, you know, tonight. You, you gotta earn it, like every every shift. You gotta play hard. You gotta play responsibility, and and so, excuse me. Ooh. You're good. <laughs> excuse me. Yeah. You're getting I'm so good. choked up um, after this victory, but uh, it's all right, man. <laughs> Yeah, no, um, no, but I, I, in all seriousness, like I, I, I think that LeBanc has had tremendous, has shown tremendous offensive potential, and he's, you know, he's shown to be a a shooter, you know, and but like I said, you gotta, you, you gotta also keep in mind of the other aspects of your of your game, and I think, uh, you know, that's the message that Quinn is trying to show, or. or yeah, and it's trying to show uh, Kevin LeBanc here, and um, so yeah, I, th- I think if he improves in, in those uh, other areas as well, I think that'll be you know message sent and message received. Yeah, I mean, Felix, like just not be a a, a net minus defensively on your line, right? I think if you can just play steady defense here. I mean, most wingers are not expected to do a lot of the heavy defensively, but but if you at least not be a a net minus defensively, then I think you're you're in good shape as, as a winger. Right. Um, yeah. So with that, after two periods, it was two two. Uh, get into the third period, and boy, if you hadn't gotten your Oreos and milk uh, right then and there, or your nice favorite beverage or, or such you wouldn't uh you would have to see that uh matt nieto the long beach native uh gets his eighth of the year but felix this one uh very nice uh play by barabanov defensively oh yeah absolutely and not to mention barabanov getting in on that four check um i mean that was and we know that Barabanov is capable of of that on on the offensive, and to see him on the fourth check and you know to help out on the play um, for you know Matt Nieto to get that lead for the Sharks is um, it, it was nice to see. Yeah, and I and I also liked what Couture was doing too on that. I thought um, Couture was was uh, really um, you know waiting to the right send that puck across um and, and really get uh, the goaltender kind of moving um laterally in the crease because you know that that's that's the name of the game if you can um you know if you can get a goaltender moving laterally and, and having to go from side to side that's gonna be your best bet to to expose his his weakness um so again couture doing a nice job um, setting it up for Matt Nieto, kind of uh, putting him in a place to to bury a a, a puck in the in an empty net. So um, really nice awareness there from Barabanov, like you had said, Felix. Um, I think Barabanov really just spots Couture, you know, when he's he's got his uh, you know almost his back to the to the to the half board there, um, and and is able to get the pass into Couture. Who uh, you know, Couture is able to then wait out the goaltender just that little bit. Yeah, yeah Matt Nieto carries it in a in a five by six, and that made it three two Sharks. That would eventually be the game winning goal. Then you'd have Magna take a penalty just twenty six seconds and just to basically try to give 
the Desert Dogs a chance to tie this thing up, but it doesn't happen. But I mentioned that penalty because it eventually leads to redemption from Magna. He gets his first of the year, beautiful one-timer set up by, who else, EK65, starting a, once again a new point streak. He's at one uh, on this one. But uh, boys, uh, right off the draw and uh, drips it and rips it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think really Carlson doing a nice job placing it, um, you know, on the tee for Magna, uh, you know, on the one-timer. But I think also LeBanc is kind of an un, um, hero in this one. You know, he's able to um, kind of fish the puck out of the the, the um, that you know ongoing faceoff and was able to you know kick it out to Eric Carlson to to kind of start the play off. So I I like that, especially after the benching too, um, and that message to be on uh, defensive draw. Um, you know, to really add a little bit more um, hustle and effort in, into your game, I think came back and, and paid off on, on that goal. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, face-off wins are so important, especially like when you're trying to gain possession of the puck and, you know, face-off wins, Sharks have that play ready and, you know, it's the rest is history. And so, um, you know, again, it was nice to see, uh, nice to see that goal. Yeah, beautiful play, nice setup. with Bank gets a little bit of redemption there. Still waiting for quotes to come out of the locker room on this one, so it should be interesting to see what goes on there. But uh, nonetheless, Kapokakinen, 26 saves, 28 shots. Uh, nice little win for him as the uh, Sharks get a, a victory uh, <laughs> the first time in Tempe. Uh, first time at Mola Arena. Uh, guys, this is kind of really the first big time we really have gotten to see Mola Arena, especially since it's the Sharks. I mean, granted, we've seen some out-of-market broadcasts, but uh, for a uh, 4,000-ish seat arena, which I think we could probably say is comparable to what the Barracuda playing at Tech CU, um, nice to see. And you hope, you hope that the... Uh, the Tempe City Council gets everything approved for uh, for the Coyotes' new arena. But uh, what what did you take? Anything that that stood out in your mind just watching the broadcast? Uh, well, Felix, we'll start with you. Honestly, I kind of think it's a unique experience. Like it's it's. Uh... It's an unusual experience for like obviously an NHL for for an NHL team, but it's it provides for something that you don't quite see every day, um, you know. And it's and honestly, it looks fun. I would say, um, you know, and it's yeah, it's to me. I think I I love it, and it, you know, it's it definitely adds to the atmosphere, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, speaking on the atmosphere, it's got that, that college kind of raucous feel to it. Um, very loud. You, you know, you, you can hear, you can almost hear individual uh, chanters. You know, I, a couple of a couple of times they had a couple of chants where you could hear it. You know, blaring through on the on the broadcast. So um, it is a unique environment for sure, and a nice little niche for the next couple of years here while Tempe's getting getting the grounds together and, and while the, the Arizona Coyotes are, are putting together 
that that massive redevelopment project. And it's you know, I think to me it had very old old school vibes. Um, kind of felt old LA Forum or, or uh, Long Island like Nassau because uh, just of the way in which crap kind of almost seems on top of the um in in very to the ice that is one thing that i did notice and, and i think the broadcast team even said it too it was just how close they were to the action which if you get a chance um to go to text i think that that gives you that experience as well and you can really yeah. see just how fast action is yeah, no, I completely agree. And like again, it's for an NHL team, it's not something you'd see. But for like you know other sort of lower level, uh, college level, minor leagues, it's you know you're you're definitely you see that kind of thing. And so uh, yeah, no, I mean, and good on the Yotes, and hopefully they, uh, hopefully that arena in Tepe uh, gets um, it gets done soon. Well, yeah. you know, it, it, it'll be nice to have a good good play for them, and and right not be so far the city yeah in the middle of timbuktu i mean yes it's a destination for for the football team the cardinals that call glendale home uh but that'd be a little bit more closer to the proximity of of downtown phoenix would be very nice for the coyotes i know they get crapped on a lot for their stuff and i know canada's just dying to relocate them to quebec uh so it's nice to see i hope they pull this off uh i mean the the league has put a ton of money push dedication to to arizona of course being Bat- one of the batman ones. has bas- sorry batman has basically invested his the rest of his commission uh, job as a commissioner to <laughs> to arizona so it better work for him so yeah i think you know he's definitely going to be tied to the sun belt expansion for sure and i think a lot banks on him um or i think a lot banks on the success of the sunbelt franchises on what his legacy is going to look like yeah i mean i would hate to think of how this team doesn't get the tempe deal done if they don't get it done i mean i'm sure then then you really see the relocation talks really blow up in, in that form so, Sharks win this one 4-2 to two over the Coyotes. Uh, they, get, they get a uh, a nice victory, and now they pack up their bags. They'll head to L.A. for uh, this one. Uh, guys, anything in particular that, that stuck out in your mind? I mean, we, I know we talked about Kevin LeBanc uh, doing, you know, getting his his ice time slashed down. I mean, he had 11-18 ice time. I, Mikey Isimont gets nine minutes in but uh you know defensively uh you know carlson ferraro magna over the 20 minute mark on this one uh any worries going into la on uh wednesday night felix i mean oh and i guess i'll go first um so i think honestly um I mean, we we kind of know that this organization likes to tax their uh, their top defensemen, but um, you know, I I don't know that I have too many worries. Um, but like, you know, it's just for me, it's just you know, if the defensemen can do their job, if Ferraro especially can do his his job well, I know he's had a rough go at it. Um, I think 
Um, I honestly think it, again, if the defense if the defense does what they do, then they're in a good spot, or what they're supposed to do, then they're in a good spot. Rather, I, I, I'll just tell you this: if if Matt Benning sports larger than twenty tomorrow night, or Scott plays more than twenty minutes, then yeah, you know, I, shit's gonna be bad. No, that's true too. Yeah. <laughs> Like that—that's how you know the apocalypse has come, right? Or at least oh, that's how geez. you know uh, the conspiracy of trying to tank is is yeah. happening. But well, not in all seriousness, though, I think I think a team will come in tomorrow, probably get handed a big L. Um, I I just think Los Angeles is is really buying into this this good of vets and young kids. And it's a it's a tall task for, for the Sharks to have to come come to that on a back to back. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, second right. set back to backs too. Sorry. Go ahead, Felix. Yeah. No, I was just, I was just agreeing. Like these, we've known all year that the that the Sharks D isn't great. So like, I mean, fingers crossed that um you know nothing disastrous happens against LA. But um you never know with this team. Gotcha. Yeah, and and you know, LA is is also a, a physical team, you know, and and they're gonna they're gonna tax and and grind and play very low and heavy, and you know, if the team doesn't have their their crap together in the defensive zone, it's gonna be a long night because <laughs> you know how they just love to cycle and just keep it and grind it and grind it and grind it some more. Um, so, you know, again, if you're not prepared defensively, then it, it, it's, I don't think that the team is going to track meet you if, if that makes any sense. Right. I don't think you're going to okay. look at them and say, oh, you know, tomorrow is going to be all about skating. Now tomorrow is going to be about being strong on your mm-hmm. skates and mm-hmm. being you know strong with your stick. It's going to be a physical, um, kind of grind. It's going to be an interesting one. Uh, also, the debut for the Sharks on TNT. Uh, they finally are getting on uh, on the uh, Turner broadcast, so that'll be interesting to look out for that one. Uh, we finally are getting some comments uh, from the locker room here. Uh, Shang, thank you very much. LeBanc actually quipped about his benching. Thank his strong response plus the win. Quote, I felt like I was serving a life sentence. Uh, he, he said he took the full blame for letting Christian Fisher get ahead of him for the breakaway goal. That's the one that made it 2-1 after in the first period. Uh, Quinn actually said, I like the way he responded. So nice to see uh, Coach giving some kudos after a player responded to his benching there uh, on that one. Uh, yeah. He just needs to like keep doing the good and keep developing good habits and not like revert to bad bad habits. So yeah. So uh, good on the banker to get back in into this one uh, for sure. Uh, some of the comments in the chat. Uh, I guess we're already trying to dismantle the team here. Uh, you know, Hot Wheels, LeBanc, Bones, and Nieto, all tradable assets. Um, you know, uh, Laurel was asking about. Who was the one that that's left while wearing the C? Uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, that's right. Yeah, Nolan uh, Todd Gill was traded in, to St. Louis in '98. Bob Airy was traded 
uh, in '95, and I'm not. Sh- I'm sure it happened in the off season for Jeff Odgers. So, uh, so there was that one. So, it's not typical for the Sharks to either strip them of the sea or get traded. I guess. Uh, but I'm not sure if Logan Couture is going to be on that list just yet. Uh, going on here, but you know, trading players. Uh, Trading big name players is what's been on the mind lately, and I think for everybody, with uh, uh, Sharks fans everywhere, uh, mainly because you know there is a glorious piece that's sitting, and I think last week pretty much solidified his first overall ranking uh, in Connor Bedard. Uh, we put it as a poll question in our chat, so if you haven't already, go ahead and jump in on it. But are you on Team Tank? You know, uh, you know, this is going to begin, I think, coming up a stretch where the Sharks are going to be going up against some tough competition. And uh got to ask, guys, Landy, I'll start with you, Team Tank, or not. I mean, of course, we'd love the Sharks to win. We would love the Sharks to, to win it all down the road sometime in our lifetimes, preferably when I'm not completely have all white hair. But, um... Uh, Landy, uh, what what do you what says you? So, I, I think I've been pretty pretty in saying, you know, same type year. You need to have good habits, instill good habits. You need to understand what pieces you have and and what pieces are going to be part of the history going or part of the the uh, decision making process going forward, and for Mike Greer, it really, this is the time to really roll up the sleeves and, and go to work at the roster. I, I think that this is going to be, you know, this will be his first uh, trade deadline in the GM spot. We'll see how active he is come trade deadline. If he is going to be a person who's going to try and recoup assets or, or if he's going to be more of a, you know, hey, we can try and do this retool, you know, rehab or whatever you want to call it this new nation of the sharks we get this wall still trying to compete and i think that that's what we've been told this whole time that it's it's they want to have both feet you know one foot in one door and the other foot in the other part of the door i think for me the case scenario would be this year if you can try try to be second third overall in in so far as from the from the bottom in the standings, give yourself a good shot to get that number one um, uh, lottery ball. Build through, through the draft. We got some piece some pieces coming up um, that you know could probably be maybe one to two seasons more of ripening, and and you can really count on them as being NHLers. And if Boudard happened to fall into the Sharks' lap, you can pair him with William Eklund and with Thomas Bordalo and drastically increases um, increase around time for the team to be, be again, right? So if you bottom out really hard this season, really, really buy into the philosophy, it could be quicker than expected. Now, I continue to do this, um, you know, play the best that we can and where the the chips may fall and so far as drafting order then i think there's going to be years of 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 mediocrity ahead um because you know as 
good as ninth and tenth overall picks are, it's not a number one overall, right? I mean, you're never you're never gonna capture that kind of of talent where the Sharks normally draft, um, and and they haven't um, really had good in in drafting um, since la- I mean last year was really that has been the best positioning wise that the Sharks have been in, in quite a while, so. I think for for me it would be try to bottom out as as badly as you can this season to try to make that reset go quicker. I agree. Like I mean, it's it's all about like what the what Mike Greer like what the mindset is there in that front office, right? Like you want to assess the situation, um, you know, see what you have, and then go from there, and you know. In the past, you know, under Doug Wilson, he, I mean, there, there, how do I put, how do I put this? There is, there have been times where it's like these should be, uh, you know, resetting and like getting more pieces out, but they haven't. And but my career has been has shown to be more aggressive. We'll see what the returns are on on, uh, you know, on the uh, contracts he does decide to trade. Um, I know there there are a number of uh, uh, free agents uh, con- free agents coming up for the Sharks, um, so that's going to be a very interesting situation for you know for Greer. And as I pull it up now, I I know Timo Myers a very very interesting one. He's due to be an RFA um, after uh, essentially that's going to be uh, next season. He's going to be an RFA, and then. Um, let's see. Nick Benino is also going to be a, a UFA um, next season, so it's going to be the front office is going to have to make some tough decisions. And so, um, would it be wise for them to bottom out? I I agree. I I, I think so. Um, but um, I'm of the uh, let's see what happens approach, and um, you know the players don't take management does. And that's and that's very true, Felix. I think you know you you definitely always see that desire from the player to to leave everything around us, and and that's their that's what they train their whole lives to do. So yeah, I don't I don't bet on players. It's where management, how they kind of stack the deck for the the coach, um, and and right, I think the coach is still trying to instill us still trying to mark on the team so it's it's kind of a lot of things are in flux right now and and i just think a lot of things aren't really defined yet um but i think a, a good way to define the team a good way to to really understand the direction of what the team is going to become trade because then we're going to be able to what what type of of gm is greer is he caught or is he um, protective of his own players or you know does he have the ability to fleece type trades i mean for me to start the discussion has to be at two firsts and and a and a um you know a blue chipper i think you know this is a player that is um, a point per game player. He plays with snarl, can score, um, can assist, um, can play on your play. 
um, can, can mix it up. You know, the, and he's got a lot of skill. How many times has he tried to dangle? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and I think Jerk brought it up really um, poignantly on Technologists the other night was. You know, it'll take the Sharks years to try and find that player again. So if you don't get at least, like I said, at least two firsts and, and, a, and a draft or in a, and a um, prospect of, of some notoriety, I, I, you know, that that's got to be where the conversation starts. If you get anything less than that, I think you're I'm absolutely jerk's corner you're going to spend years trying to find that player um you know others have have always liked that kind of player go back to to buster or go back to chloe or um even before that um some of the sluggers that used to carry um on thornton (laughs) they've always liked to have one player who's got both a, a nasty personality, but the ability to score on you and really have tried to make it emblematic of the, the team plays. If you get rid of that player, if you get rid of Timo Meyer, you're, you're going to regret it as soon as you've got enough of a nucleus that can um, from the Barracuda to, to offset the score that we've got now. I mean, think about it. If, if the Sharks could somehow bottom out this season and get Boudard and add Boudard to um, Eklund and Thomas Bordalo. That's that's a line right there, you know, and, and you bring up that entire line and, and put it on on a third line or you could extract the pieces out of it and play, plug in the holes like a, a, a Matt Nieto, you know, a second line Matt Nieto wouldn't play there any longer. So because I, I just I look down the road to L.A. and I look at how they kept some core older players and then surround them with talent and, and just how quickly their turnaround has been. I mean, I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong, I think that they've been at loss for five years straight. How, how long is their, their playoff? LA? I, I well, they made this. it last year. They went seven games against Edmonton. Um, right. So, and so it had, I mean, Sharks will have a longer playoff list streak in the span of this build window, right? So I, I don't know. I just look at what Rob Blake has done and how he's surrounded, you know, some core fixture pieces there, good drafting, good development, um, and, and is able to, you know, have his cake and eat it too. Um, I think that that's the way it's at this point, with the way the contracts are, that has to be the model that you go for. Because I don't see how you can get of some of these big tickets with with how, um, you know, how much money you know they've got tied up, invested. So, I, I mean, again, that to me is is the only real option here is is to try to bottom try to bottom out or at least extract as much value as you can from the draft um, to try to re-adjust um, the mix uh, on the big club. Yeah, I mean, Jerk made, a, made the uh, 
made the uh, good point that if you're going to be trying to go after a Timo Meyer, uh, you know, to replace Timo Meyer, why would you do that? Um, oh, Ian saying Kings have made the playoffs three times since winning the cup in 2014. Uh, they so yeah. So then, so then that means yeah, they wouldn't have had a longer streak of five years. Yeah. Right. So. so it's it's a rebuilding process, and again, it's also a significant one. If you were to move Timo Mar, yes, you would get a boatload of assets, but at the same time, you know, how far back are you going to tear it down if you're moving one of your best goal scores and one of them, you know, and and easily the uh, one of the leading shot takers in the league. I think only Pasta in Boston is. Uh, shooting more on net than than Timo is so something and, that... and I could say fan favor right I mean I oh, think sure you know he's got probably more cachet in the fan base between Timo than I think Carlson and any other player uh, you know name X here like I think you know Turtle are your two um two Players that I think you can look to as as homegrown talent, um, drafted talent. You know the guys that you put on season ticket when you know if they if they did printings of season tickets anymore. That's those are the faces that you put on season tickets, right? So, so you know you we also have to kind of respect the fact that that they're still a pants. You know that they that that the, the, they've still got to put players on the ice for a product. So. Again, if you're if you're able to extract if you're able to extract at least three pieces, then you can start to make the, the argument that that that's sweet enough to to, to move on from Timo. Um, but you know, if if I come on here the day you know the the game after the trade deadline, and I hear that Mike Greer traded him for for a first, a third. And you know some C tier prospect, I you know that's that's gonna that's gonna gut us because again it's a it's a fan favorite and but it's a point per game type player and it's the the exact type of player that you want to embody the way the Sharks play. The other thing too is kind so, of. I mean, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, sorry. Go finish. Oh no no! I was just gonna just gonna say. I mean, because because then you're just gonna be back at what Jerk said, looking for that player for ten years, trying to chase that player down. And that's the tough part. Go ahead, Felix. I'll let you uh, get get your thoughts in on this one before we uh, start wrapping this one up. Yeah, no, this is. I do agree that this, you're talking about players that you you that are highly marketable, and those types of players, you, you know. You need to get the appropriate value um, out from them, and you know, it's and but at the same time, like if you like you said, Andy, like if you trade a guy, and I know Jerk has also said this too, like if you trade Timo Meyer, um, you know that's gonna set your franchise back quite a bit, and you're gonna be like, you're gonna be looking for like the next type of that particular player, and it's. Um, you know, it's going to be a very long process. It's going to be when you're going to, you know, wish you hadn't, you know, <laughs> pulled the trigger on the train. And it's, and not just that, it's going to be like, it, you know, as, as a fan, you're 
going to be like, okay, so uh, we're just going to be in for more pain. Then. <laughs> you know, it's like it's so so it's like it, it's really important. I think that the sharks really further establish their identity with with a guy like Timo and you know um, and you know just go from there and see what else they can uh what what else they can do yeah yeah in in hot wheel at you know the draft is like a off water um and you already know what it is and i think for me that's i kind of circle back to two first being two scratches at the best odds in in the um best and and uh, an A player, or at least an A prospect, where you know this is a guy that's got a little bit more of a track record. You know, maybe a, a guy who's either in college or AHL or overage, or you know, but somebody who you've already got a little bit of a body of work around um, and can kind of see what he's going to project as but i mean guys i just i don't want this to become coyotes of the pacific you know what i mean like this is this is what the coyotes do whenever they get a a superstar type player whether it was a chicken now or um you know name here but they just walk you know or, or not are not retained and that could be a little mental value yes but i think it shows like stability of ownership stability of the franchise, and it's a it's a, a pact between a player and an organization saying hey look you know if you invest money in me i'm gonna you know invest money in you you know and, and and that goes a long way to showing organizational strength i think you're right and i think another thing that um i don't believe we've mentioned also is that if if this team like really sets the tone early on in their rebuild retool whatever you want to call it um you know and greer gets guys who can actually like actually has that work ethic actually has you know sort of that that snarl that that sort of killer instinct that you want to see every night i mean maybe then fans will actually more fans will fill the seats again you know we want a good product right so i mean this is the front office has some, like I said, some very big decisions to make. And if they screw this up, um, it's not going to be pretty for the next for the next couple of years. But you know what's at pre- least. But you know what's pretty. Daniil Gushin scoring with a minute left in regulation. The Barracuda have tied it at two against the best, at least one of the best teams in the AHL, in the Coachella Valley Firebirds. So we'll keep an eye on that as we wrap things up. Uh, in case you missed anything or want to watch this again, check us out on tealtownusa.com or your favorite podcatcher, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Odyssey. Of course, if you're on YouTube and you're watching us on the replay, leave a comment down below as to uh, what you thought of tonight's game. Are you a member of Team Tank or not? Or or you just want to see this team get, it, get the job done uh, and be a, more of a playoff contender as much as possible on that one so check us out and always on tealtownusa.com so with that uh he is at eric landy e-r-i-k-l-a-n-d-i felix talks puck on the twitter machine your last words i'll start with you landy 
hey, you know what? Good on Gushy for for getting the goal. Um, it's a guy that we want to do well. And those those clutch kind of goals goes a long way development. Right. And Felix? Um, look, the Sharks, um, it's going to be an interest. I mean, we've said this so many times over the past few years, but it's going to be a very interesting, um, you know, next couple of years, trade that trade deadline, even just to see like what Greer does, um, you know, how this team shapes up. And I'm look whether or not we get a tire fire or whether or not we get a, uh, a team that actually knows what the heck it's doing. Um, I'm along for the ride. So, um, but like, um, also, I do want to correct you, Landy. Um, it's Bedard, not Goudard. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta get that pronunciation right, man. If we're going for it, it's the lottery one. And hopefully, one of us has won the lottery tonight for deed. Uh, so, for Felix and Landy, I am Eric. I am at Puckeye14 on the Twitter and the Instagram. We will be back with you tomorrow, Wednesday night, Sharks and Kings. Uh, it'll be on TNTs, which means we'll be your only live and interactive post game so thanks for watching everyone and until next time keep it real keep it teal keep it real teal have a good night everyone we will see you after sharks and kings and as we go it's still tied 2-2 in overtime between coachella valley and san jose barracuda all the best good night everyone <laughs>